0: This week on the Nonprofit News Feed for the week of March 7th, we are talking about the Ukrainian refugee crisis as well as huge spikes in crypto donations. As always, Nick Azaleh, how's it going? What do you see?
1: It's going good, George. So as you alluded, our first story today, again, is the Ukrainian refugee crisis and some topics around um, how that's being framed. So, as the Russian invasion of Ukraine and, of course, the subsequent war enters its second week, the size and scope of the refugee crisis has spiraled into a full scale disaster of, quite frankly, historic proportion. The continent of Europe has not seen a refugee crisis this large since World War II. There's an estimated 1.5 million refugees that have now fled that country. The number is expected to go up by millions more. There are hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of internally displaced people as well. It's a disaster and it will have long reaching ramifications for for the continent of Europe. Along other similar humanitarian lines, the fighting has grown more intense. The Russian invasion has taken a darker turn. There are now daily reports of the targeting of civilians and civilian infrastructure. Right now, I'm aware that lots of different groups from governments to non-governmental groups are now collecting evidence of war crimes in the country, and it's really quite serious and becoming increasingly dire. Just just sad news. There's no way to say it. I, I can add a little bit of color from a, a contact of mine, not even in Ukraine, but from in, in Europe itself, in the Czech Republic, which has a, itself knows a thing or two about being invaded by the Russians. But my contact said, we are shocked and very sad what is happening. And we ourselves are very scared as well. This is being felt throughout all of Europe and the world, quite frankly. However, George, I think an interesting narrative to bring up is uh, a nuanced story that we wanted to hone was there's two kind of things at play here. One is there've been reports that non-Ukrainian nationals and folks of ethnic minority are having trouble leaving the country and has raised some alarms at the international organizational level. And also, similarly, some media outlets are being criticized for framing the conflict in juxtaposition to the Middle East, saying things along the lines of, this is not Baghdad, this is not Syria, this is Europe. And I think both of these kind of go hand in hand with this very Eurocentric, perspective of the news. And of course, you can't minimize the the impact and significance of this. That's not what we're doing. And these countries taking in refugees should be lauded, of course. But that being said, we're seeing some narratives start to come out that are framing humanitarian crises in potentially a problematic way, recognizing that this happens in many other places in the world and has happened in Europe before as well. So, George, I'm wondering what your take is on all this.
0: I think it's important, especially as nonprofits wade into this, which is why we're trying to pick up this angle, as nonprofits working with diverse stakeholders, that you understand that there is a very clear and sometimes not subtle nuanced microaggressions probably and beyond happening in the news reporting. And then not just the news reporting, but the actual facts on the ground. When you are, in fact, talking about the treatment of, of white versus black and brown communities in Ukraine, which is alarming, to say the least. The, the, the problems are, are pretty clear in, in that also, if you're talking about this from the West, I actually see it as a, there's a very quick ability for the United States to claim this moral national superiority with very little memory. And just to bring the clock back, George W. Bush recently made a statement condemning Putin's actions of invading under false pretenses, another sovereign nation state. And I can bring the clock just 20 years to our invasion of Iraq under false pretenses later revealed. And by the way, our current sitting president voted in favor of doing so. And it's not that like, oh, this is, which is what a huge statement and underlying problem by saying, this isn't the Middle East. This is Europe. Like, ouch, like you have to check that statement. These are people, these are families. These are communities. And frankly, I'm using a lot of the same words of unjustified invasion of a sovereign nation under false pretenses by a superior military power set to invoke and cause regime change. That sounds pretty much like where we were about 20 years ago. I I think keeping that in mind would produce better reporting. It would produce better communication from certainly U.S. nonprofits as we enter with an understanding that like war, capital W, is bad. There's no justification. Now, in this moment, it is certainly confusing, and it it can be hard to say, like, how can we be talking about racial equity (laughs) in a time where we have the largest refugee crisis since World War II? It's because we can chew gum and walk. It's because we can hold two contrarian thoughts in our mind at the same time, and it's
1: important to do so that we stop making the same freaking mistake again and again. Yeah, George, I think that's such helpful framing, and I think that it's not an either or, it's a both and. You can have these thoughts. And quite frankly, Eastern Europe has struggled with racism against refugee communities in the past. Crises at the the Polish border, for example, the Hungarian border, for example, with regards to, to Syrian and Afghan refugees, respectively. And what they're doing now is monumental in how they are are treating Ukrainian refugees. But I think what we can do is take this moment of tremendous generosity and humanity and use it to continually work to be better, knowing that even then it's not perfect. But I think really important framing for US nonprofits to understand as they're thinking about marketing this as they're thinking about framing conversations about help and times of crisis and this sort of thing and yeah i think that's really important nuance
0: when you're also talking about another probably triggering for black and brown communities is the the sort of suddenly a lot of countries that were sorry we're we're full we can't take on any new refugees from other major crises that seem to happen every uh, sorry we're full sorry we're full to suddenly sure we can take on 1.5 million in growing number of refugees come on in you can't help but feel like there is a hint of eurocentrism on that one
1: yeah definitely it is complicated a lot of these countries do have shared national identities and speak similar languages so from the political science perspective you can hate to say it but almost expect it but that being said i think that juxtaposition is so stark and it opens a lot of questions and leaves room for a lot of improvement as we as a global community respond to these type of crises without a doubt yeah look before we go too far doom and gloom i think it is
0: tremendous to say that the us is using banks and not tanks that the nation is responding the globe is responding rather than just here comes the US to bungle it up. It's actually taken European, US and other uh, support to do things like turning off SWIFT. So I think there are positive externalities
1: to, to that. Absolutely. I agree. I think that when you think in terms of context of the response of the EU and the US, in some ways, it's never been more cohesive. And I hope that we can take that cohesiveness and what we realized is the value of democracy and push it forward and bring us to a place where we continue to support countries pursuing democracy and, you know, not building democratic countries, not talking about that, but supporting those values and, and work to, you know, ensure human rights for everyone. So, speaking of global generosity, we, our next story is about crypto to donation crypto donations to Ukraine, surpassing $80 million. This story from Yahoo! News states that cryptocurrency donations have topped over 80 million. Now, approximately 44 million of those dollars have gone directly to the Ukrainian government. I think the Ukrainian government and even Ukrainian military has very interestingly, and probably to great effect, made it easy to donate directly into their coffers. So that appears to be largely what's happening here. The the report finds that donors are more willing to give to established organizations and entities like the Ukrainian government, organizations like the Comeback Live Foundation, as opposed to to DAOs. But George, this is a a, a pinnacle moment in a way for crypto donations. What do you think this says about the future of uh, cryptocurrency donation and how we engage with crises as a global community?
0: There's a tremendous amount to unpack here, and if you are simply taking this top line and running away, you're really missing how monumental it is that, for instance, crypto donations are far above what, for instance, like groups like NATO or the UN have sent in, or other aid groups have sent in terms of dollars. You are missing the fact that right now, there is an American giving directly to the Ukrainian government. That's not a thing that has ever happened before. And they're being transparent about how they're using it because you can look at their wallet and see where the money then went. The second order effect could be potentially maybe even decreased stability for US nonprofits that provide their variety of aid to raise as much as they would have anyway. I think that inherently must be true because 80 million has been given and is satisfying that, how do I help right now in an immediate impactful way? That used to be a niche that nonprofits were uniquely designed to fill. Now that work still needs to be done, make no doubt. And there are, and we have more stories to come about those nonprofits doing that work. But it's maybe a weird way to put this, but there may be some philanthropic competition between the long-standing growing ideology around the give directly, not the organization, but the concept of giving, how close can I get this money to my perception, speaking as a donor, my perception of the person in need, has a threat to disintermediate the nonprofit's actions, which, again, has uh, social impact value in that
1: process. Without a doubt. I think that's a great synthesis there of things that we will continue to keep an eye on. All right, we can go into the summary now. Just some more stories within our nonprofit news newsletter. Our first one is from nonprofitpro.com, and it lists 10 nonprofits that are delivering aid to Ukraine and refugees. A lot of folks will recognize Some of the names on this list, they're big name organizations, they're Ukrainian diaspora organizations. George, I think an interesting narrative here is you're seeing we're both active on LinkedIn and you see a ton of posts about donating here and here. I think just the important thing to remember is just do your homework. If you're an organization that is raising money, make sure that you prove your legitimacy. I think each and every crisis, people get a little more, a little better trying to keep themselves safe when donating to to organizations that might be new to them. So a big takeaway for nonprofits is if you have an annual report, make that easily accessible. If you have uh, financial statements, your form 990, make all of that financially or all of that transparent and available. Um, just prove authenticity in this time of enormous giving and people seem to at least really be doing their homework to finding organizations that are delivering value.
0: Yeah. And in case you just chimed in randomly into the middle of this episode, see the previous story, crypto donations surpass 80 million. Look at how Ukraine is promoting Ukrainian DAO and the organizations there are sharing their, their wallet address, but then also Talking about though they didn't do it, NFT airdrops and the use of potential NFTs also from other artists coming into play. So I would encourage you to make sure that one, you have a way of accepting crypto at this point. We have talked about it in the past. The giving block is a current client of whole whales, but also the smartest, safest way, in our opinion, to have a nonprofit collect cryptocurrency. What's more, is there an opportunity to explore NFT projects? I don't know if they were earmarked for Ukraine support and aid, you might be able to tap into uh, another pocket of generosity. But now is the time to frankly raise money as a nonprofit doing this work, because the truth is the half-life of compassion is incredibly, and usually spans only two to four weeks-ish around large major news events and cycles. So Now is the moment, and it's brutal, because now is also the moment to take action, to build hospitals, to take care of refugees. But you also need that fundraising engine running as fast and as efficiently as possible right now. I don't envy the
1: organizations needing to do all this work. All right, I can take us to our next story. This one comes from the New York Times Magazine, and the title of the story is, They Came to Help Migrants, Now Europe Has Turned on Them. It's a long story. I suggest you read it. You may listen to it as well, but it follows the story of Sarah Mardini and Cheyenne Binder of Emergency Response Center International, which is a small humanitarian aid group. And the story touches on a lot of different themes, but among them, how essentially anti-migrant attitudes in Greece have hardened, particularly as it relates to migrants crossing from North Africa via the Mediterranean to southern europe we've seen in the past other stories of folks being arrested for helping migrants or rescuing them by these countries so it adds i think more color to the the conversation we were having before that there's uh, a lot of work to do of course this is a, a complicated issue but aid groups in general are struggling to operate for fear of legal prosecution in, in some of these Mediterranean countries when it comes to addressing migrants crossing the Mediterranean. Yeah, thanks for refining this story. Not, not too much to add
0: on it, but it tracks to the earlier narratives that we're starting to see brought to life um, in
1: this moment of crisis. Absolutely. Another story that we highlighted in the summary, and this comes from uh, the website diatribe.org, which is a... Tagline is making sense of diabetes, but um the article is about a non-profit pharmaceutical organization called Civica, which is planning to deliver low-cost insulin. So this company, or nonprofit, I should really say, announced plans to make generic low-cost insulin for everyone, regardless of insurance status. The recommended price um, for users will be no more than $30 per vial or $50. for a box of five pen cartridges. This follows up on threads of nonprofits filling the gap when it comes to US healthcare and mitigating basically (laughs) the the problems with it, quite frankly. And that's the absurd cost of insulin in this country. Just cool to see a a nonprofit organization here within the pharmaceutical industry stepping up to the plate. I believe their funding comes from different foundations Mm -hmm. and associations and that sort of thing. But, uh, Really interesting. And if this can be replicated and expanded, it could really make a difference for a lot of people.
0: I love the story. Super positive. The quote in here diabetes is arguably America's most expensive chronic condition. And it's heartbreaking that millions of people are rationing their care and putting their lives at risk because they cannot afford insulin. There's a point at which certainly maximizing shareholder value makes sense. It gets us these breakthroughs and innovations. But after the profit taking has happened, And it is, frankly, pretty fundamental and simple uh, to to develop insulin. The current prices range from $194 down to $43. To bring that price down further means taking out the margin. And nonprofits are a very clear solution for it. I was excited to see this and wish them all of the luck and speed in developing,
1: getting this to market. All right, George, how about a feel-good story? I think you owe it to us. All right, this is a good one. We will be going back to to Ukraine, but this is as reported by ABC Seven North Carolina affiliate. This is an article about the nonprofit Samaritans Pur- Purse, which is an international Christian relief organization based out of Greensboro. They're set up a thirty bed hospital in Ukraine, and I think this is really interesting because if you're following the situation, you're seeing a lot of people going into Ukraine, normal people looking to fight, which is its own thing with its own complexities. But here's the the bottom line here is the US government, for complicated reasons, has decided they cannot directly involve themselves in Ukraine. And not in an international relations podcast, but they have decided they will not directly engage with the Russians in Ukraine. Guess what? Nonprofit organizations can go in. They can represent the world and a humanitarian response without having the same strategic implications of sending in a military. You George, you said it before perfectly. Banks not banks not tanks, but here it's hospitals, not tanks. So you just love to see a a nonprofit stepping up and traveling to across the world to to help out. Yeah. This is no joke. You're walking into an active war zone. Uh a land war in Europe is is
0: incredibly dangerous, very hostile but also a nuance to think about where the direct aids shipping your crypto donations directly to the Ukrainian government doesn't necessarily get those extra hospitals built simply because they're so focused on a war effort while the humanitarian need is so strong. And so that is why I still think that there is incredible need and giving to this type of nonprofit work where people are bringing to bear resources outside of the country different ways of helping and supporting the the displaced populations that have come and will come from it. So bravo to them and all that are, are really putting themselves literally in harm's way. Hope they stay safe. All right, Nick, thanks for summarizing.
1: Thanks, George. Great chatting.